Amen. If you got your Bible tonight, I'm going to ask you to turn back with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 12. I mean, um, chapter 7 tonight. And you know, as we look, I don't know if many of you are familiar with Jeremiah, but Jeremiah ministered for 40 years to the children of Israel, to the southern kingdom. And if you read the book of Jeremiah, it's really like a scrapbook of sermons that he preached during that 40-year period. There's no chronological order. But when you look at it, you pick up the, the theme, and what was going on was that God's people were very religious. They were still very active in their religion, but they weren't very righteous. And it was a time when it looked like there was prosperity as far as in a physical means, but spiritually they were in a great drought, but they didn't even realize it. And they were still going to the temple, going through the motions, and the, the, the apple of their eye, the pride of all of Israel was the temple, <laughs> the centerpiece of all of what they were as God's people. And they thought that that temple... And because the temple was within Jerusalem, that that right there was their protection, that God would never do anything to the temple. He would never destroy Jerusalem. And Jeremiah's telling them, if you don't get right, it doesn't matter about the church. It doesn't matter about the temple. And God gives Jeremiah this message to go to the, the door of the church one Sunday to preach. And if you look when we started in verse 1, he says, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house. That stand at the front door this morning and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all of you of Judah, who enter into these gates to worship the Lord. Now, I have been to Israel and I can see the gates and the, the, the temple mount. And I can picture what that had to be like. He probably stood at the most busy, the main entrance. And as people were coming in, going toward that temple mount, entering in through the gates, he's standing there preaching. And they were just like us. We go to church because we think at church is where we find help to get right with God. And it's true, God uses church. It's at church where many of us were saved. It's at church where many of us heard a message that helped us to repent, where we found help. But what we need to understand, it's not the church of God that saves us or helps us. It's the God of the church. And if you're not careful, you can get caught up into this religious mentality that I go to church now. I do a lot of churchy things. I do a lot of good religious things are in my life. I mean, I gave an offering. I gave money to the general fund. I served in a position and these people were very busy. They were bringing a sacrifice. They were going through all the motions of the Levitical priesthood sacrificial system of worshiping God and getting right. But in the process, somehow, they began to trust in the temple more than the God that the temple was where you were supposed to meet. They were trusting in the religious system more than a righteous Savior. And guys, don't think it can't happen in Baptist church. That we can't get to where we get to thinking and trusting really that I'm going to be all right because I go to church when there's all kinds of things in your life that shouldn't be there. But guys, listen. 
he looks at him. He tells Jeremiah, stand at the gate of the church. And he says, and speak to all of Judah, those who enter in the gates to do what to the Lord? Worship the Lord. If there's anything we need to understand today is that you can't have worship with the Lord when your life is full of all kinds of things that defile you. Out of all the things we do here at Bethany, nothing is more important than the purity of our heart, the integrity, the character, the, 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 the life that we live for God. Because we can be doing all the right things, but it, he's more interested in who we are than what we do. He's more interested in our heart than the activity that's coming from our religion. And guys, listen to what he tells them. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts in verse 3, the God of Israel says, amend your ways. Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Now, if anyone knows anything about Jeremiah, the, ca the captivity, the the the, the, the Babylon had come and Nebuchadnezzar was taking the city and he had it under siege and he was threatening to come and destroy them. And Jeremiah was telling them, God said to get right or he's going to let all of this fall. God's going to let you be taken into captivity. He's going to let this temple be destroyed. He's going to let this holy city of Jerusalem be destroyed if you don't amend your ways. But they didn't listen for 40 years. Because they had other preachers telling them, God loves you. We're the temple. This is where God is. God would never destroy his people, his temple, his holy city that's named after his name. And so listen what it says. He says in verse 3, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words, saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. What are they saying? Church, church, church. I go to church every Sunday. I go to church every Sunday night. I go to church on Wednesday night. I serve in a ministry, but I live for the devil. I got all kinds of things in my life that God looks at and he says is an abomination, but I go to church. Church, because I go to church every time the door's open, it doesn't matter what I do the rest of the week. Is that true? <laughs> and so that's what they were doing. Their lives were totally out of order. Their relationship with God does not depend on how much you go to church. It depends on what you do with your ways. And that's why he said, amend your ways. And look at what he goes on and says. For if you thoroughly, verse 5, amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, it is very important to God how we treat one another. Can I get an amen? If you're not right horizontally with your neighbor, you ain't right vertically with your God. And they were treating one another all kinds of ungodly ways. And then they'd come to church after they were treating each other with hatred and all kinds of sinfulness. They'd come to church and try to worship a holy God. For if you thoroughly, he says, amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and you do not shed innocent blood in this place, 
or walk after other gods to your hurt. He listed all of those things about how you treat one another, how you do with your fellow man. And the last thing he says, do not walk after other gods to your hurt. Don't get idols in your life. Don't let things become more important to you than me. He says, if you do all this and you don't do it, look at verse 7. Then I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. And then he says it again. Behold, you trust in these lying words that cannot profit. What were those lying words? Man, we go to the temple. We go every Sabbath and we give a sacrifice. We give a tithe. We go up to the church and we worship every time the doors open. And one day, as they're coming, doing what they do every day, every Sunday, every Lord's Day, every Sabbath, they go to the place where they always go, the church, the temple, the preacher's standing at the door. He don't even let them get in yet. And he says, hey, listen, God gave me a special message for you. He says, man, you can quit trusting and coming to church, 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 because the church The temple is not where you're going to find the help you need. God is the one, the one you worship. And here they were. He says, you trust in these lying words that cannot profit. Now listen what he says their life was like. He says, behold, you trust in these lying words that cannot profit. He says, will you steal? Will you murder? Will you commit adultery? Will you swear falsely? Burn incense to Baal, that's idolatry and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations and worship you. He says, has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, says the Lord. Guys, listen, a den of thieves was a hiding place. It was a place where thieves gathered to hide from those who were opposed to their unlawful and ungodly acts. A den of thieves was where they gathered together to stay secret. Guys, I don't know if you understand this, but when we come into the house of God, this isn't where you hide from sin. This is where your sin is seen more than anywhere. God always sees our life. You know, they were doing things. We, we look at this and we say, well, golly, I, I don't do all that. They steal. Guys, I'm going to tell you what. Stealing is not always what you think. You don't have to get a gun and go rob the bank to steal. But they were taking things that was not theirs. And what were they stealing? I don't know. I told a little kid one day, I was trying to witness to him and share, and I asked him, I said, now listen, if you sin, do you ever commit sin? No. I said, well, have you ever stole anything? No. I said, let me ask you this. Have you ever copied somebody else's homework? Yeah. I said, well, you stole. That wasn't your homework. That was somebody else's homework. Don't think we don't steal. (laughs) We, We steal in ways that we may not like to admit. But we have all taken things that really wasn't ours to have. Sometimes we'll take credit for something we didn't do. Sometimes we'll let someone else take blame. And we'll take praise for something we don't deserve. But we've all stolen something that we don't deserve to have. And friends, listen, these people were stealing. They were murdering. You know, today, I'm not here to cause anybody to feel guilty about something that God died on the cross to forgive. 
But he says, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense. Guys, listen. There are those today who will put Jesus over their name and our government leadership and say they pray to our God, that they love our God. They may put a title of a denomination over their life and they support abortion. Guys, you cannot be pro-abortion and not be pro-life and come into the house of God and not be looked at as a murderer. Now, that will be forgiven, and if there's anybody ever here that has done that, certainly God forgives that just like he forgives stealing. But guys, look at this. It says not only were they stealing, not only were they murdering, it says that they were bearing false witness. You know, it says commit adultery, swearing falsely. We look at that swearing falsely, that's just lying. (laughs) Saying something that ain't true. Adding on to something. Adultery, we like to look at that. Well, I'm not in an adulterous affair. Anything that we do that is sexually immoral is equal to what he's talking about. And guys, if you really, really are not careful, you can look at enough on the TV to make you sin, according to Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you looked at a woman with lust in your eyes, you are already committed adultery. And guys, today we come here and we don't even think about how easily and how quickly we become spiritually polluted. And what I want you to understand is not that you're bad, evil people, but you're still people. And we suffer from the depravity of sin. The fallen nature of Adam dwells in us deeply. And we don't realize it, but before long, it's easy to get a long ways from God. And sooner or later, confession has to be made. Repentance has to be sought. And you have to turn to him, not church. Come into church every time the doors open and never even can't even remember the last time you confessed sin to Jesus, the last time Jesus and your relationship caused you to have to amend your ways, to examine yourself, to look and see if there's things in my life that need to be adjusted. Friends, listen, come into church and you don't even remember the last time you've done that, you might need to have time with God because that's what they were doing. And listen what he reminds them about. He says, Has this house, which is called by my name, verse 11, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Do you think you can come here and hide? Behold, even I have seen it, says the Lord. And then he says something that most of us probably would never, ever understand or take the time to find out what it means, but I'm going to show you tonight. (laughs) But look at what he says in verse 12. But go now to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, And see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. I want you to think about this. At this day and time, the place where God has set his name is the temple in Jerusalem. Shiloh was the day and place pre, before the temple, back in the days of the tabernacle, back in the days of 1 Samuel, right after the time of the judges, when the tabernacle was still set up, when the priesthood was still running in its infancy, When the tabernacle was set up in Shiloh and that's where they were going to make their sacrifices and that's where the Holy of Holies was at and inside the Holy of Holies which was the very presence of God 
where the Shekinah glory showed up between the seraphim was the what? Ark of the Covenant. And that was the pride. That was the glory of Israel. That's where they went to meet with their God. That's where they went to get right with God. That's where they went to bring that sacrifice to that priest. And that priest would take that sacrifice and he would spill the blood and he would pour it onto the altar and he would take that animal and he would throw it onto the fire and he would give a burnt offering and a blood sacrifice for your sins. And by faith, you came and you brought that to God to appease him, to satisfy his holiness for your wickedness. But the temple didn't do it. The, the, the Ark of the Covenant didn't do it. The God that you brought it to did it. But they began to trust in Shiloh time more in the Ark of the Covenant, more in the Holy of Holies, a building, a structure than God. In Jeremiah's time, they were trusting more in a temple, more in a holy city named Jerusalem, more in the place than the person of God. And today, tons of Baptists, if you really knew what they do and how they live their relationship with God, they never take time to spend with God. They never sit down and let God speak. They never listen to the voice of God. They're not under the control and the drive and conviction of the Holy Spirit. They just come to church. They live like they want. They can't remember the last time they got convicted, much less got on their face and said, forgive me, God. And they just come to church thinking, because I come to church, I'm okay. And guys, coming to church is awesome. But coming to church has never cleansed one sin from one sinner. What saves us is who we meet here. What saves us is the one who put his name, just like he put his name at Shiloh, just like he put his name at Jerusalem, at the temple. Today he's put his name in the church of the living God, the body of Christ, the church of Jesus. But the church of Jesus is not what we trust, amen? We trust Jesus himself. Listen what happened at Shiloh. He says in verse 13, And now because you have done all these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear. And I called to you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to this house, which is called by my name, in which you trust. That was their sin. They were trusting the house and to this place, which I gave to you and your fathers, as I have always already done to Shiloh. Now, what did he do to Shiloh? I don't know about y'all, but when I was reading this, and I, I just until this week, I'm like, what is Shiloh? What happened at Shiloh? So guess what I did? I found Shiloh. I went back to where Shiloh is. And if you want to go back with me tonight, you can turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 4. Shiloh was where God's worship, that was the place where he had put his name. That's where his people were convicted and commanded to go to get their life right with God, to bring an offering. The priest was Eli. Eli was a decent priest at one time, but he had two sons named Hopni and Phinehas who were very corrupt and wicked sons. You may have read about them. They were so corrupt and so wicked that they were defiling the sacrifice. They were sleeping with women at the church when they brought a sacrifice. They were taking the sacrifice and instead of giving to God the fat, and taking what they were supposed to take, they were taking the fat for themselves, that which was meant for God, and giving God the scraps. And God was upset with them. So he confronted Eli, 
And in chapter 3, if you go read it later, he sent a man of God to preach to Eli. He said, Eli, he said, the sacrifice that you're giving is not going to take care of your sins forever. You need to talk to your sons. They're defiling the work and sacrifice of the living God, and Eli didn't deal with his sons. So he sends Samuel, a young boy, and he brings him from a little young child. His mama gave him to the Lord. And he was with Eli, and he grew up. And God spoke to that young boy and called him to be a prophet, to speak. And the first prophecy he spoke was to Eli. And you know what he told Eli? He told Eli, God has said that you haven't listened to him. You haven't dealt correctly with your sons. I'm just paraphrasing, but you can go read this part. We ain't got time. He says, you haven't amended your ways. You haven't corrected your children, your two boys. And because they're ungodly, I'm going to do something in all of it that's going to make the ears of Israel tingle. He says, what I'm going to do is on the same day, your two boys are both going to die in the same place. And I'm going to take away your right to be priest over the temple. I'm going to give it to this young boy. Now, time has gone by. And because the priests are corrupt, the leadership is corrupt, the temple sacrifice is no more. They're trusting in Shiloh. They're trusting in the Ark of the Covenant, the place more than the person, just like we tend to do when we let religion be what we're believing and trusting in. They're so far from God that God's not with them. Have you ever had that happen? You know, the sad thing, I think of people that had the power of God on their life, had the favor of God. They were anointed, but they let sin come into their life. And then when they lost it, they didn't even realize it was gone. Samson is a good, good example of what I'm talking about. Samson had the strength of a thousand men or a hundred men or however many. It might have been that he killed a thousand men with a Java donkey. But Samuel had supernatural favor, grace, power from God, but he didn't respect it. And he let his lust and he let his desires overrule his, he was a Nazarite, he was a special called person out of the people of God, but he kept messing around. And he messed around long enough that one day finally he let Delilah rob him of the blessings and the the special privileges he had from God. She cut his hair off. He jumped up and she said, the Philistines are upon you. He jumped up and he didn't even know. He didn't even recognize. He was so far from God that I don't have God's power anymore. Guys, listen, you can't have the power and the blessings and the anointing of God and the life that he chose. You've got to choose to amend your ways. And guys, listen, what happens here? There's going to be a fight. The Philistines, the same ones who overcame and destroyed Samson. Here they are now, and there's going to be a battle. And if you look with me here in verse 2 of chapter 4 in the book of 1 Samuel, I want you to look at this right quick. It says, Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel, And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. Guys, Israel lost 4,000 men in one battle in one day. That's a pretty good bit. And I don't know if you realize this, but there is a spiritual battle going on day to day. 
The Philistines are armed. That's the enemy of God. Those who are opposed to God, and friends, you better be armed also. You better have on the full armor of God if you're going to be able to stand. And listen what happens in verse 3. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? The reason they were defeated was God wasn't with them. But the elders, the wise men who should have known and discerned that God wasn't with us, that's why we got our tails whooped. They come up with a plan. And what a crazy plan it is. Look at verse 3. And when the people had come into the camp and the elders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? What they should have said is, let us go to the altar and bow and confess and get right and let us consider our ways and let us sanctify ourselves before God and ask God in mercy to have, help us. But that ain't what they did. What they did was, it says, let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us. And listen what it says, that when it, a box with gold, when it comes out among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. They put their trust in a stupid box. Now, it ain't a stupid box. I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me, Jesus. It was a holy thing, but it was still an it. It was a thing, and it cannot defend you against your enemies. That's idolatry. A thing cannot help you in the day of battle. They had gotten so consumed with their religion that they didn't even realize God wasn't with them. And they thought they could go get a trinket, a religious relic, and tote it out to the battlefield, and it would win for them. And friends, don't think today that there ain't people that think, I went to church today. I gave money today. I did things for God today. Why is God not with me? God is with the man who is poor and contrite and broken of spirit and realize I don't have anything to give you, God, but if you'll take me, I'll sure help. let you ask help. Guys, listen. These people were trusting in a thing, in an it. Look at verse 4. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim and the two sons of Eli and Hophni and Phinehas were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. They were as wicked as anybody in the land. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted loudly that the earth shook. That's just a different form at a different time in a different place of what Jeremiah confronted them with and said, Quit trusting in these lying words. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. They said, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant's here now. Boy, it's going to win. This thing's going to give us victory. And listen to what it says. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted. Now, guys, I could see this being something that helped to unite them. But, guys, listen. That thing is not what was going to win the victory for them. It was the God that it represented. Look at verse 6. Now when the Philistines, who were pagans, who had many gods, heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. Now listen what they thought. 
So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They didn't say, the God. These are the gods, plural, false gods, who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Guys, what they should have been knowing was that Israel's God was the only God. He wasn't one of the gods. He is God. But that ain't what they're thinking. Look at what it says in verse 9. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews. As they have been to you, conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and here it is. Israel was defeated, and every man fled to his tent. There was a great slaughter, and there fell of Israel, this time 30,000 foot soldiers. Think about this. That's 34,000 men fell in one day because they're not trusting God. They're trusting in religious relics and trinkets and things and church instead of God. And look at what it says in verse 11. Also, the Ark of the Covenant was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas died. The two high priests are dead. The Ark of God is taken. Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day, and he came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. That's a sign of mourning and, and sorrow. And then when he came, there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it all, he cried out. In verse 14, when Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, what does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Eli was 98 years old. His eyes were so dim that he could not see. And when the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle. And I fled today from the battle line. And he says, what happened, my son? Eli was waiting because deep down Eli knew that they had made a mistake taking that out there. And so the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled from the Philistines and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead and the Ark of the Covenant has been captured. Then it happened when he made mention of the Ark of God that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate His neck was broken. He died for the man was old, heavy, and he had judged Israel for 40 years. 40 years of ministry, and that's how it ended. But that's not all that happened. He was a priest who was supposed to pass on that privileged honor and job to his sons, and he had. His sons were supposed to pass it on to his grandson. We're supposed to pass it on. One father to a son to a grandson. And that's what God intends for us to do with the great privilege of being his people. But guys, listen, because they're trusting in things instead of God. They're trusting in their religion instead of in him. Listen what happens. Now, verse 19, now his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth for her labor plans had come upon her. And the Bible says, And about the time of her death, the woman who stood by her, the women, said to her, You have born a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. God, that would have been the awesome blessing. A son 
would have been a future priest to carry on this great blessing of helping people to get right with God. And how many of you have ever heard someone say and act spiritual about a church? Boy, they done put Ichabod. God done wrote Ichabod over that church. That church has been Ichabodic. That church is cursed by the spirit of Ichabod. You ever heard that? That means that church is dead. God is gone. God has forsook it. Where did they get that? From right here. <laughs> Look at what he says. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God has been captured and because her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. And I want you to look at verse 1 of chapter 5. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. You know what he told them? He said, if you keep trusting in the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, if you keep trusting in Jerusalem, I'm going to do to Jerusalem, I'm going to do to your precious temple the same thing I did to the place that used to be my place in Shiloh. And they still didn't listen. You know what? Can I take scripture and show you that God Ichabod's churches, but I've been to some makes me believe he does. <laughs> God will leave a church to what it wants. He will give them the desires of their heart. If you want religion, he'll give you all you want. But if you want him, he has so much to give. Guys, listen, coming to church has never won a soul. It's never changed a life. It's never cleansed a sin. It's who we meet here. It's the living God that makes the difference. Can I get an amen? And you know what is so easily happens is religion has a tendency to stroke us and make our pride say, look at me. I'm a preacher. I preach the word. I pastor a Baptist church. I'm over a ministry. I'm a deacon. You know what? In the end, that's not makes us who we are. God looks past all those titles. He looks past all of those blessings and those things that we get to have the privilege to be and do. And he looks straight into our hearts. And you know what he says when we come to church? He says, do you think you can come here and hide like a den of thieves? I, even I, have seen everything you've been doing. I know. And he says, amend your ways. Treat one another with love. Be a person of honor. And I will bless you in this place. Live like the lost. Act like the world. And I will take away this place. You know, in the church today, we hear over and over and over in the preacher world that churches are plateaued and dying in America that churches are struggling to even exist, much less grow, and that 95% of the ones that are growing are not growing from salvations. They're growing from church swappers who leave this church to come to that church because it's the better temple. It's the temple that has more to offer. Guys, listen. If all we're offering people is more church, we're not going to save no. When they come here, we need to let them know real quick what we offer is Jesus. What we offer is a relationship with holy God who wanted to know you so much that he gave his only son to die for you. I don't know about y'all, 
but I have got caught up in the religious look at me <laughs> trap. And guys, God is not impressed with our religion. What impresses him has always been what we do with his son. And Jesus is our help. He's the one. Be careful because the better church gets, the more church has to offer, the easier it is to trust it. The easier it is to believe that our church is wonderful. And our church is wonderful. I'm not belittling it. But our Savior is more wonderful. Our Savior is who we need to keep our eyes on. He's the one that will change our neighbor. He's the one that will heal our marriage. He's the one that will cleanse our sin. And friends, I don't know about y'all. I had to get along with God lately and say, Lord, I stood in that pulpit way too many Sundays when I was just trusting in the pulpit and the church and not you. The only one that can make me worthy to stand here is Jesus. And I'm never worthy. I can only come when I come the right way. The only one that can make what we do bear fruit that changes lives is him. And he does it with clean, pure, genuine, committed people who are real. And does that mean we don't need to, we get crossed up? There's not anybody here that every now and then doesn't do something he shouldn't do. I had someone today come and just asked me to see them. Me and you okay? Yeah, we good. That's the thing to do. If you ain't sure, go find out. But guess what? More importantly, we can be good with everybody in here, but are me and God good? So I want to impress upon us to check ourselves because we need leaders and we need people who first and foremost walk with the Lord. Amen? And that's what happened to Israel. That's what you can see over and over and over. They trusted in their religion and all the benefits that their religion gave them. And they quit trusting in God. And God told the preacher one day to stand at the door and before they even get in there, tell them, quit trusting in the church. And turn to me and amend your ways. That's the sermon God put on my heart. That's an easy one to deal with. Amen. You know what? You don't have to come up here tonight. But you can before you go to bed tonight say, Lord, thank you for the wake up call. Lord, I thank you that this night you gave us a little spiritual MRI, <laughs> that you examined us, you did a little x-ray, and you revealed to us our life. You remind us that we can't hide, that this isn't a den of thieves gathering together to get together and hide. This is where we come to stand before our God. So tonight, I'm just going to say a prayer, but I'm going to ask you to bow your head, and if God has spoke to you, just say, Jesus, thank you. And if there's something the Holy Spirit has pointed out, if he's bumped your heart with you need to deal with this or you need to do better here, we call it recommitment, recommitting your life. The Bible calls it repentance. But Jesus promised if we confess our sins that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Because God is good to us, and yes, he's long-suffering, patient, and kind, and he's merciful. Lord, that mercy should make us realize that, Lord, I want to get things right with you. The greatest thing we'll ever do in our relationship with God is say, Lord, I want to be right with you. I want to be in a relationship where we're unhindered, where I'm a child who brings honor to you. So, Lord, forgive me, and Lord, help me. 
to mend my ways and to live my life the way you want me to. Lord, help us to do that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.